1: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Welcome back. It's good to have you back.
0: I think my, had the show go my, last in, week. my intro was a lot better than yours last week, but yeah. you can work on yours.
1: It wasn't my best intro, was it?
0: You are... You're a bit crook.
1: I said family commitments because I didn't know if I was allowed to say you were crook, but you were crook. I have never been crooker in my life. I got tested positive for influenza A. I went to bed Tuesday. Is that like hepatitis Z? And got out out Thursday. It was unbelievable. shouldn't have played last weekend, Patrick. And the worst thing, (laughs) it's gone through all my kids and my wife now. Uh So my house is like ground zero. It's actually
0: like the Simpsons where it's covered in... (laughs) Big blanket,
1: yes. Like it's just like this pathogen-ridden cesspool. You would have been the you would have been the sickest though. I buy (laughs) more. Isn't that (laughs) always the way? No, no. Like I I get that you might have had the flu, but I really had the flu. I was sicker. (laughs) It's like this competition you have with people. Yeah, but I was bedridden. Yeah, well, so was I. No, but I, you know.
0: But oh, I was sick. You know one thing it wasn't like that with? It was COVID. Everyone was opposite. Oh, I didn't even get sick with COVID. <laughs> oh, no, <That's, laughs> The flu, it killed me. <laughs> that's so
1: true. No, uh, oh, this, this rubbish about inoculations. COVID was fine. Just and keep the next person. No, they died. <laughs> Just so, keep your uh,
0: 1.5 from me, please. Yeah, apologies
1: for <laughs> that. Hey, let's get into a bit of 4x4 news. Now, I sent this to you uh, this morning. Merck have released a bit of a teaser around their G-Class wagon, which is their very, very famous sort of G-Class wagon. Uh, Army used it for a long period of time. And then the Ka- the, the Kardashians made it famous, essentially. Um, and it's due for release in 2023. The reason this is rather interesting for us as a, uh, you know, a 4x4 news and outdoor news is it's an EV, but it can do a 360-degree turn, In one spot. It comes with bow thrusters. (laughs) It does. How cool is it? Did you find that amazing? Yeah, I did. I was
0: really confused on how it was working until I read it.
1: So, because of the fact that these EV vehicles now, they're all, um, you know, they can have an engine for each wheel essentially. They could all turn in different directions, so it can spin on itself. It's, it's almost like it's a bottle top and it, it turns. That's, it that's uses, how you describe it.
0: It uses four electric motors yeah. to spin 360 degrees on its own. And it, 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 how weird does it look? It looks like a tank. Stupid. We don't need to do that. Why are we turning 360 degrees? We're driving
1: a car. I was, looks, I was going to say, <laughs> does it help you with parking, potentially?
0: No, because the car parks don't even fit the width of my ute, let alone 360, out of it. <laughs> Volkswagen Combi has been
1: teased uh, in terms of you know, when we'll get it in Australia. We're not sure. 2024. But what we have seen, Redmond, and this is an iconic vehicle, the Combi is turning all electric, but the price will shock you. If sees pricing is a guide for us, you're looking at, ninety to a hundred thousand dollars to get behind the wheel of one of these once it hits Australia. You
0: ever been to Combi?
1: You Combi fan? I
0: actually have been to Combi. I was in the surfing world for a long time and all the surfers seemed to have combis back in the day and they're cool. There's a lot of a <laughs> lot of commentary around the price. It's a lot Not of money. Ninety to a hundred grand. Uh,
1: ironically it's what they sell second hand for at the moment as well. People oh, think really?
0: they <laughs> mate, people think they're worth a fortune. Yeah. I I I wouldn't buy one. I no, don't. Either not even I. as like a family car either. Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm not a fool of that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the other thing we'll
1: skip through a little bit. You're getting sick of this quite clearly. Um, Ahandra, no, no. I
0: just looked at that car and I think it actually looks really poor too. The what, yeah, what well, do you think? I don't think it.
1: It looks like it's the electrified version of everything, but at Ninety to to $100,000, there are a lot of other really capable 4x4s in the market,
0: and that's what we're interested in, let's be yeah, honest. I was about to say, that's a category we always fall into. <laughs> How far does this tow? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I'm not sure that has... Not, not hugely excited by that. Hey, federal government <laughs> um, planning on oh, implementing...
0: You just said we're going to move on from this because I was getting sick of it, then you go into the federal government. Yeah, but this one is interesting oh, for righto. us, Redmond. Here we go.
1: Uh around the implementation and imposing a capital gains tax on used cars. Now, they're calling it the Land Cruiser Levy, given the (laughs) absurd costs of second-hand Land Cruisers at the moment, but it will apply to all vehicles sold at a price above their agreed value based on uh, conditions of the market prior to April 1, 2020. So the purpose of this is to remove any sort of inflation pricing for the second-hand car market that we've seen just out of control over but the that's past only, 24,
0: 24 months. But that's only because we you get a choice and people are choosing to do that. That the, Us people are the ones that are making the price that, that price. Yeah, but it's just everywhere at the moment. The inflation in the second-hand car market, it's just insane.
1: These vehicles are not worth what people no, are no, selling not. them for and what they're buying them for.
0: But you also have that choice. You do. And yeah. people continue to choose to buy it We'll go an example. We'll go Land Cruiser Toyota. Toyota Land Cruiser. They have a set price, of not a set price, a, price, a ridiculous price right now for a second-hand car. I saw
1: one the other day, 2017 model. It had done 52,000 Ks on my way into Geelong at the service yard. I think it was, um, I forget the name of the dealership. Anyway, 2017 model, 52,000
0: Ks, $136,000. Yes, yeah, but that's only because it's going to sell. Like, are you... I'm kidding you. Why are people paying for this though? I it's just ridiculous. Why are people paying for it though? Because of the reputation, and you and what
1: And people have this fear of oh, V8s are going out. We better get the last ones. Mm. Every new car that comes out, I promise you one thing: it is better than the old car. You, the engine is better than the old engine. Yeah. Like, stop being like. You know this they're not idea. building.
0: You know they're stopping 79 series now. They're not building them anymore.
1: No, they are. But you know how long the wait list is? We
0: had this on the show a few, a few. No, weeks, they're, but- they're, yeah, they're literally only like last week they announced their stop it because Kane had a friend of mine had one on order and he just cancelled it because he's looking two at and it. a half years. The yeah. wait is. Well, he was managed to get one within eighteen months, and he had one coming in. He stopped it because of the new F one hundred and fifty he wants, and because of the new F one hundred and fifty coming in, he wants to get that. And makes sense. But then he literally found out that now they're going to stop bringing him into Australia. So he's fewer now because of that money that you've just spoken about of the the land cruiser fee that you pay. Absolutely. Is so it's real. It's it's well and truly real. But even in the well, caravani market and the boating market, so the inflation is across the board. Well then just for example, a North Bank six fifty, uh, six hundred that I've got, uh, say retail's for will just roughly work off hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yep. Well, that's a lot of money for a six-metre boat. And I'm not just picking... Mine
1: was 71 in 2010. Yeah,
0: so that's the prices that we're dealing with, just the, the just price raise. Um, well, yeah, anyway.
1: Ford have confirmed delays locally for the locally developed Ranger, now arriving in July. And there's also customers being asked to, uh, to fork out an extra up to $6,000 delivery fee. So Ford Australia have been telling customers to shop around dealerships. Extra six grand just for delivery. Can they do that? Well they can. It's not illegal. Hence why Ford Australia have been saying shop your dealers, don't just stick to the ones. So that's sort of the the outdoor the, you know, the car market at the moment at large. Pretty interesting space, particularly for those that, you know, preparing to head away on mm. you know, trips around Australia and those sorts of things. And I like I to
0: put a ranger as such in there as they're a user-friendly family car, a Ranger. Like they're, a good, they're a good work car for someone that goes out and is a chippy or whatnot, but they're also a safe family car too.
1: Yeah, but you don't want to be paying an extra $6,000 do for say. delivery it's, fee. I don't to,
0: you don't want to see that That's fee ridiculous. on top of it. You're already paying a lot of money, let alone another $6,000 for it just to be delivered. I don't know, I shopped around for Kari to find a new car and I basically went for the warranty in the car that we bought for our family car, the warranty was just outstanding. Well, it Ten depends year what you want out of a
1: car, isn't it? That's right.
0: Yeah. Family, whatnot, forward driving, whatever it is.
1: School holidays aren't far away. Vic Fisheries have been stocking around the Traps Redmond. Uh, Stony Creek, Upper Stony Creek Reservoir, they've stocked 10,000 rainbow trout, uh, 10,000 browns. Uh, also, Lake, is it Jalear near warnable They've been uh, stocked with 1,000 browns and 1,500 rainbows. Um, there's stocking that's happening right around the state uh, over the sort of next months, as, as there always is, but particularly coming up into the school hollows, it really does pay uh, to keep an eye on where Vic Fisheries have been stocking heavily because it really does help you um, if you can, you pick your spots. You can, you can
0: get kids into fishing. That's my, yeah. that's my view on it.
1: And you have a pretty good chance of catching some pretty, you I, know, decent sized fish. I see as well. some
0: ridiculous comments under these uh, posts on social media. So Vic Fisheries go out, they put all these trout in, blah blah blah. They're trying to get people into fishing, get them out the door, get them into the outdoors and off yep. the t- computer. Now you see some people writing in there. It's not the same as catching a, a six pound trout in a creek like this. It's like. Yeah, they're people that have never actually oh. caught a six-pound trout. <laughs> Probably. They are, they are. Just be happy. Don't like, complain about it. No matter what you do in this world sometimes, you just cannot win. Like, Look at that we, sky. It's, oh, no, no clouds <laughs> in that. Well, in my day. We're going to get sunburned. There were, there were plenty of <laughs> clouds. <laughs> hey, tell me about this, mate, hey, during the week. I don't want to talk about it. It made me very upset and sad. One of those, you know those sad things? Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those moments. I a shocking day. I posted actually on my Instagram story how my day went during the week. I had a couple of decent days. Caught some local barrel bluefin. Didn't actually get to talk about it much last week because you weren't mm, on the show, which yes. we might even talk about after the Mako, but we... Well, we're going to cover that in, in the whip, probably a bit of length around.
1: around the Whiparound. No worries. Yep. Well, we,
0: Anyway, we headed offshore trying to chase school sharks, and this time of the year we get a lot of school sharks. And they're great fish to catch, and I think they taste 10 times better than gummy sharks. They're yeah, really
1: good eating sharks. Beautiful. Shark. That's it, one of the things Like a that clean it, taste. Yeah, it's a bit lost, isn't it?
0: Yeah, people always compare them to gummies. Oh, it's very similar. I think I've think think I i, think I think I've given you a couple of bits of school and you've yeah. said the same thing. And nearly everyone I speak to, once they actually think about it, it's a fair bit of difference. But we set up, this was my day. We went out to the bar on River, Patrick, and there was a fella broken down. So I had to tow him in. That's all good. Great,
1: great start to the day. You've done yeah. that a fair bit lately. It's an hour and a half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because get it's slow through the river against the tide tone. anyway. But if it was you in that situation, I know, that's that's not the issue there. I mean, yep. it was, but it wasn't the issue. But we towed him back, got him back to the rant. No dramas. Headed back out, anchored up on this reef that we like to fish with schoolies. Caught nothing. Nothing. Got it. We got another snap around three kilo. Hang on, of,
1: I can relate to that.
0: <laughs> keep, keep going. That's the most comments I had on <laughs> my Instagram. <laughs> keep keep, keep we, going. We, we caught nothing for a bit longer, and then hang good, on. <laughs>
1: Yep, I can relate to that. Do
0: you want me to go a little bit longer too? Because we still fished a little bit longer. <laughs> did you have any biscuits? Because that's generally you know, I get to the stage where I'm... Kane made some beautiful chicken burgers that we were into. Cam White come up and anchored right next to us, like forty meters away. The cricketer, did, the cricketer, coming out. He'd been fishing. He got six of them the day before me. So, what was he sitting in the Eden? He's Eden Craft six metres, sat next to me. And the pricky he is—he dropped his bait down and hooked two of them off his ter- first two baits and landed two school sharks in the matter of I reckon fifteen minutes. Meanwhile, he's landing his second fish. What was the head wobble like from him? Oh, massive! It always is massive <laughs> from the creeter, and he uh, he's just laughing at me. And then I'm. Meanwhile, there's I go, wobble. There's <laughs> wobble—the best of days. He was starting to. I was winding up with seven gill shark, which I it actually pulled a bit of line. I'm like, oh, maybe a decent gumming because we're in deep water. Yeah. It was a seven gill. <laughs> Meanwhile, behind, and he just laughed. Meanwhile, behind the seven gill, this Mako, it would have been seven to eight foot. It would have had to be, say, 120 to 150 kilos. It was a bit hard. To, I don't know weights, like the size of it. You'd put a, It was well over 100 kilos. Put it it that looked way. big. It was massive. It was Bruce. He has stormed over, like top of the water pad, fin out at this seven gill and nailed it on the side. And then I left the seven gill in the water there while I'm trying to get a trace ready, trying to keep the shark there, and the yep. shark's just pacing around it. Believe it or not, we'll just, I had no trace in the boat because uh, I'd been fishing out of your boat a bit. I left the kit in the, uh, in the shed. I'm like, I won't need that stuff today. Don't worry about it. I needed it. Anyway, <laughs> I quickly rigged up a kit. I chucked it a bait and it didn't want it. Anyway, the seven gill broke off and it sort of followed the seven gill away and then it come back to the boat and then I threw the bait to it, I reckon, three or four more times and it kept looking at it and when I mean looking at it, it was touching it with its nose. Isn't that funny? And then it just swam off. like gone. Like a, a
1: shark that can be so aggressive, and these are known to genuinely attack boats, so
0: aggressive yet you put a chunk of bait out in front of.: it, I put half a fish, a half a salmon head, I put a whole salmon head, I put a fill of salmon out, I put a fillet of the snapper out, I tried everything you wanted. interesting. The only thing I didn't have was a live seven gill, which was eight the first time. So anyway, which was how big. Oh, yeah, well, that was probably six, seven foot on its own. That was probably like a 50, 60 kilo seven gill, and this thing looked isn't
1: that amazing? Like it-, it was
0: massive, and it stormed it like it absolutely hammered at this thing. It was pretty cool to see, but I wanted to fight. I wanted to catch it. We probably would have let it go because it was quite a big fish, but we wanted to have a bit of fun. So normally, you know, your plan in
1: order to try and capture one of these is keep it interested,
0: all we'll throwing it burley at the time. Like yep. we didn't have burley logs. Uh, Kane was cutting up salmon, feeding it to it like chunks of it to try and keep it at the boat, but it was just it was just fixated, fixated on the seven gill. Yeah. It yep. just didn't run have a bar of us. Anyway, that buggered off. Easterly wind came, fifteen knots, wind against tide, couldn't keep a line, hooked the anchor, lost me bloody um lost that many rigs, said to Kane, I'm going home. You went,
1: cracked it. Went,
0: went to put went to pull my anchor up. My anchor was stuck. <laughs> my anchor was as stuck as you could get it. I did 50 circles, let rope out, pulled it across, tried this, tried that.
1: How frustrating. Nearly
0: sunk the boat because of the <laughs> pressure, like, nose under, under, and it throws you back the other way. It scares the crap out of you. And anyway, we lost my anchor, cut that, ordered an anchor on the way home, $700 later, 690 if you want to know the exact how much it cost me, because I had to get rope, chain, and anchor. So... you gonna- Cover a little later
1: <laughs> in the show around Red's tip. If you do get your anchor stuck, the best ways to try and retrieve it, and uh, and also a caveat to that that it doesn't always work either.
0: I hate fishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. I'm chatting with Scott Fury a little later in the show. Scott is a Western Australian born and bred. He obviously has Fury boats, a brilliant boat, Redmond. One of, certainly one of beautiful our, our favourites. And he's also, over the last few years, he's bought the, um, well, I suppose the the Hull Prince to, to Smuggler and he's um, worked on the design there and created the Fury Smuggler, which I oh, actually own an old Smuggler, beautiful boat, beautiful lines, uh, and he's just finished his first example of it. It's an absolute weapon of a thing. I think it does close to 50 knots. So we're really looking forward to chatting to Scott around the, the research and development that's gone into this boat and what's being added to a hull um, that has been renowned as a real performance fishing hull in the Australian boating scene. So all that and plenty more coming up on Real Adventures. After the break, though, we're finding out what's biting around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield
0: and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what's biting in your part of the country and a few sort of notable captures around the place at the moment. We'll start in New South Wales. The Monty Kings Redman, and you spoke about these last week. There's birds on them at the moment, and they're really firing up. They're not massive fish, but once again, anything that's got a, a yellow tail and starts with a K, we sort of get a bit excited about. It
0: looks like a ninja turtle. <laughs> <laughs> they're a beautiful fish to catch. And you're right, those birds are a dead giveaway. We had some beautiful footage we got to see from Birmingham Bait and Tackle. Literally gannets, everything. That's how you locate them. Not yep. big fish, but really good fish. Uh, the Sydney Snapper, they're a little bit different. Up to sort of 60, 70 centimetres. And they will get bigger and yeah. bigger in the next month or so. Different fishing to the way that you and I... You like to throw plastic around here and there. It annoys me a bit, but we like to fish them traditionally in bait. You would say in Port Phillip Bay, majority of fishers on bait. But as we push higher up into New South Wales, you tend to get them more on your soft plastics and your micro jigging. So there's different ways and methods to chase them. So plastics getting them down, and they can literally get fish up to 10 kilo. And you'll quite often see that these snapper have more of a bump on their head. They're your traditional bumpy-headed snapper. So different fish, I'd say, than what we traditionally catch and where they come from, I don't know. Is that the technical
1: term, the bumpy-headed snapper?
0: That's what. We, that's the scientific name. I,
1: I, I know <laughs> what you're saying. This sounds funny when you say it.
0: Well, we has to explain it.
1: Speaking of bumpy-head, <laughs> bumpy-headed snapper, South Australia, Mills Beach producing plenty of salmon uh, and mullet at the moment. Metals doing the damage on the salmon. Um, mullet have been a little bit different. You don't exactly... Yeah chase them with a um, with a 30-gram metal lure. No, nah,
0: they've been taking the bait, though, because the bait fishermen are getting a few salmon too, Pat. So pillies are a big mullet. They're not small, so they're easy to hook. And in the uh, post that I read actually about the salmon there, they actually suggested that they were smoking the salmon up and actually eating it and really enjoying it. So if you do have a smoker, they say anything tastes good in smoke, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm more of you eat it that night, you know, cut it up into salmon nuggets sort of stuff and then a uh, shitload of sweet and sour sauce.
0: (laughs) I like to refer to it as chickens only $6 a kilo. (laughs) North Haven Whiting fishing on fire with squid and pippies. Working again. That cocktail always works really, really well right around the country for whiting. But the key one we like to talk about is that steady burly trail, keeping that burly trail down to hold those fish with you. Queensland Hot Heels Pro Charters, they were into the Spanish mackerel on the Sunshine... Uh, sorry, into the Spanish mackerel. They're fishing really well and heading to the Sunshine Coast, we're seeing captures of dewfish and live mullet are getting the bigger fish. But if you've got fillet baits, there's a lot of soapies around, so smaller fish around, but the, the, the big fish are really liking the live mullet.
1: Western Australia jazz charters in Frio have been into some huge snapper uh, and salmon are still being caught in really large numbers up and down the coast. Obviously, you've got to got to pick your spots they're not going to be in um off every single beach but when get you on do get head- them in decent numbers get on a high right.
0: headland and look down and you'll see the, the schools are huge i saw some footage during the week like footy fields of them literally so you and can, you can
1: see like of the some of them where the bronzies move the through, sharks chasing and you just see them. this Split. this curtain just open up and it's like oh hang on
0: there's something down there it's, that's, it's that's what you put the salmon on for bait <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to mention uh Lockie Nichols in Tasmania, Pat. He's had a massive week on the swordfish front, hooking multiple fish every time he goes out.
1: Well, Eagle Hawk neck as well. Like, yeah, which is one, of a, one of Australia's well, greatest that's where fishing Lock, destinations. Lockie's
0: fishing out of there. We've had him on the show and I do want to get him on again. So
1: there's big fit there's big um, there's big tuner as well being caught off there. Or Worsling
0: like. rang me during the week and he was heading back to his property in Tasmania and he said one kilometre exactly from his house, 139 kilo Bluefin was caught, and another one of 140-something, and he was going to have a look over the next few days. He's gone well, It's away with- not
1: the same boat traffic, is it? And, and, oh, we'll, and we'll, no. we'll talk about we'll, – we'll cover this off now because this is going to heat up once again simply because of the, the large population that Victoria has and the close proximity to the Port Phillip Bay heads. But last week, um, you said you were going to do a bit of a recce, bit of an R&D around um, – you know heading out further, a you know potential potential barrels off off Port Phillip Heads I said no worries, take my boat it it needs a bit of a run
0: hey i did the first two you days in my boat this is <laughs> stop.
1: this is my story this is my story no, i'll sit back and listen take my boat you know no worries all right you sure no no it's fine it's fine anyway i get a call from you that and a and a a, 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 a face photo time. Face, face, face time, time. Mm-hmm. um your brother's in the back of my boat bent over on this rod. The swell is maybe six or seven metres. It looked like George Clooney in a perfect storm. wasn't small. And it looked like more than a recce. And three <laughs> hours later or whatever it was... One hour. You were coming back in, in in pretty much pitch black, going through Port Phillip Bay heads. Pitch black's... Okay, it was like five o'clock. It was getting... It was, it was dark. <laughs> it was getting dark. Um, Bluefin on the back. That's the... That, that's not a recce, that's fishing. Yeah, I... Well, yeah. I didn't want my boat full of blood and guts and there's a 145 kilo tuna sitting on the back deck.
0: Secretly, you loved it.
1: I found it <laughs> hilarious because I knew you were excited that there's a potential, you know, you'd seen... You'd been out a few times and yeah. sort of seen the bird life and I know you were saying, there's got to be fish here. I just didn't want them in the back of my boat.
0: <laughs> you weren't complaining when you brought yours in. Now you're talking.
1: You're talking. There's not only big southern blues there now, yeah. which are like, and we'll preface this with: they are not easy to catch. No, it's, it's hard work. But there are starting <laughs> it blows us away. But there's some really big numbers of school bluefin, which I mean, traditionally we've started to see less of, or we used to, but now it just—it's straight seems up, like it's an all
0: year round. It's a straight up twelve month, twelve months a year fishery. I have not seen. You said you were blown away. We used called. to say, yeah, we used to we used to say twelve month fishery. Oh, in the <sighs> in the state. So, like, I'm talking from Mallacoota to say Portland. Yeah. So Portland, Portland, you get a summer you know, run of Port fish. Talking Port on the you know, yep. edge
1: of you know yep. South Australia, Victoria.
0: Now, literally, we've just had the whole summer of bluefin. Right now, we're coming into the cusp of winter. It's bloody freezing. The water temps as cold as it's going to get. It's like thirteen point eight, fourteen degrees. The the school tuner out there are prolific. They are literally everywhere from the shank to your place. Yep. And I've just got no interest in them. How but this is Kane and I had this conversation during the week. How bad is it? We're like oh stupid schoolfish, stupid schoolfish. How but, lucky are. We? But like six months ago when we were chasing them, it's like, where are they? Let's find them. Or well, three because,
1: years ago when the fishery yeah, was not even It wasn't even here. Yeah. So well, it, to it an may extent have been, you
0: know. Yeah. Well, I, no, it wasn't because, like, for instance, we're chasing that school to school sharks the other day, and I just had tuna jumping all around me everywhere. Like, if they would like, every, Can't there lie. we go, school tuna. Well, now we're fixated on the barrels. It's literally like, go away, school fish. Like, we just don't, It's and we're not being disrespectful to the fisher, but we've got our mindset on what we want to do for the day, and if we want to top it off with the school fish at the end of the day, we've got the freedom to do that now. And these barrels that I we chased, now, I worked this life, in all honesty, for three weeks, Trying to chase him, thinking I've marked them up, maybe here, maybe there. And I reckon I found a small patch of fish of these barrels. Yeah. Couldn't get them to eat anything. The moon stuffed me as well. And then a friend of mine went out, and he was a bit further down from us, but similar life he had. And he hooked one and landed it. And I've gone, crap, I need to go. So this was on the weekend. And I knew the rough weather. I hadn't had any rough weather because we had quite still. And I'm like, yeah. I need to utilize. We've got rough weather coming. It's building on the Monday. I'm like, I need to utilize this weather. Yeah. So that's where I went out. That's why I contacted you and said, you might have pinched your boat because your boat's a bit comfier in the rough. No, no, you said you were taking it for a, for a, a look. look. Well, it actually was for a look and a catch. So we You hooked. didn't mention the second part. <laughs> it was my brother's first uh, barrel bluefin? You tried telling me if you had barrels on the sounder that you wouldn't have put a lure out and tried to catch one there, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, you would have. <laughs> and my brother's first barrel, 140-odd kilo. It was a beautiful fish. And we managed to, um yeah, get that. And then we got one the next day that we released. And then also the days afterwards got less and less and everything disappeared. So you're not going to go out there like you are at Port Mac and be 100% confident. And then there was boats all out over the weekend that were there and there's nothing there. No one's hooked a fish. No one's seen a fish. There's a bit of life there still that yeah. you could work with like I did. Yeah. I was more hoping the day we got fish that we got lucky. I just wanted to check it out as well. And... It paid off for us. We just got really lucky. Play right place, but right you've got to
1: you've got to be willing to go out in conditions that are you know less than favorable in order to give yourself the yeah, the, the good ideal
0: chance. chance. But the the other factor, Pat, though, people don't realize that I spent probably th- without you know honestly probably three grand in fuel looking for these fish over three weeks. Yeah, yeah like I would yeah, have used right. over over a thousand liters and trying to look for for these fish.
1: And it speaks to I mean where the whole trend in trailer boat is going. Bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we're seeing, you know, examples of really big captures, really close to home. You don't have to travel four hours to Portland. You you know, if you've got a boat that's big enough that can match the swell at times safely, that it's here to be able to catch. like the whole market is changing dramatically from, you know, what was once just fishing port for the bay heads to now, all right, you need to learn how to navigate going out through it. But once you do, and if you've got a boat that's big enough and you spend it enough, um, there's fish there to actually be caught that are great fish that are beyond just you know catching a, a whiting and a flathead outside of Port Phillip Bay Heads. Now
0: we're talking
1: proper game 10
0: to fish. 15 years ago when I was charter fishing, there used to be us, myself, and the charter boat I worked on, and maybe three to five other charters out on a Saturday on a northerly wind. You yep. go out there on a Saturday now. There could be um, up to 500 boats yep. out of the Port Phillip Bay Heads, The how much it's changed. Yeah. We've never seen boats out there. Just the local guys, realistically, that fished out the front. And not picking on the Melbourne crew, but the Melbourne crew were never out there. They always went away to Portland on their holidays. Correct. They did yep. this. There was never outside because the Heads. Because that's,
1: that's where the high percentage the, captures that's were. That's right.
0: Exactly spot on. That's where the captures were. But now they're here. And when I say here, to my area. And the Heads, I'm just going to say it again, just be a bit smart with it. It's a shit place to be, Pat. It is a, it's not a nice place. Like... When I was chasing these fish during the week, you you mentioned we had some big seas and we had some strong winds. It was twenty knot winds with four to building four plus meter swell right up to six, I reckon at times. But I knew what I was doing. I was in control. I went out the heads on slack water. I waited for the flood tide to run. I knew where I could get through the rip, and it was. I went through at seventy kilometers an hour in your boat coming in. It was perfectly fine. Didn't even notice that we went through, and it was the middle of the tide. So it's about local knowledge and that was the chance that I had and a couple of days later we, I messaged you and asked you to go out again because it was going to be hairy again instead of taking mine and it was me and another local guy out there who knew the rip he actually went out before me and goes oh it's a bit hairy but you'll be fine we went out and it was a bit hair. hairy half, but
1: it was fine yeah it was half a foot of swell that day but um, yeah, yeah, half swale. a
0: foot of swell on top of the 6 metres of it <laughs> 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 Jesus it was rough
1: uh we're going to be we've got to be quick here because we're, we've no. we've punched in, into some time but the social club um will knock off a couple now we love your conversations and getting involved um in in shooting questions when you can um it's been pretty busy this week but I'll just get to a few redman particularly this one from um for Jace because he'd sent he'd sent us a, a few weeks in a row um, Aaron what's your preferred tide at the moment for catching big numbers of whiting cheers Jace Broad meadows.
0: tide is the key it's just the word of the tide tide's your key word you just need tide in going or out going just need it to be working Yep. You just need to follow those tides around your moons, pick the better one, pick the stronger one, and that'll be the one that has the fish. Jump on Willy Weather, look at the graph that shows you the up and down bits for the South Channel or something down in Port Bay Heads, and you'll literally see that bigger tide. We're off the moon at the minute. I know we are building up to a new moon at some point coming up, but at the moment, tides are good. So you just want a bit of flow in the water, and that's what's going to catch you more fish.
1: It's important to note when, when we talk about tide and that movement, it's not like, okay, t- tides, you know, it it's high at two o'clock. I'm gonna get my boat out at two o'clock and then make my way down to the, um, you know, jetty or, or boat ramp launch and then go to the spot. You've got to be prepared before that out there to give yourself the good chance to yep. actually be on the water for a couple of hours with that tide. You change want the tide moving,
0: yeah. You want the tide moving. Lead now that actual tide change is when you don't want to be there. That's the time that you want to be sort of sitting back having your lunch, yeah, or a nice cold beer. Next question. We've one time for one more. Which one do you want to fall into here? You want
1: yeah, last one. Uh, Luke, uh, as the water cools, have we missed the last opportunity for kingfish along the Victorian coastline?
0: Yeah, Cheers, I'm going, Luke. I'm going, yes, straight up. Yep. I wouldn't be bothering too much now. Yep. You might get something off Malacuta or down the likes of there, but that water's freezing cold. It's got cold, and with kingfish like warm water, they'll come back when it hits that 16, 17 plus, and then uh, that's when they'll start. We'll start seeing captures of them as we do. But uh, I wouldn't be, I'd be committing to other things, Luke, rather than doing the yep. old uh, kingfish chasing thing, which doesn't necessarily pay off at this yep. time of the year.
1: Beautiful work, Redmond. That is a social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or myself, then shoot it through to our Real Adventures socials. We'll do our best to get back to you uh, each and every week. This is Real Adventures. <laughs>
0: All aboard for
1: Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure at Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Scott Fury from Fury Custom Boats. Good morning, Scott. G'day, mate. How are you going? Going well. Now, when we've spoken to you in the past, we've always spoken about the 28-footer, whether it be the center console or the dual console, and it's been the maxi trail end of town. But over the last little while, you've um, you've steered Smuggler in a slightly different direction, and it's pretty damn exciting. Take us through Fury, the Smuggler, at 660.
2: Well, mate, we got the moulds probably about a year and a half ago now, and totally revamped it, everything from the windscreen to the dash. Um, we didn't want to move away too much from the heritage of the hull and the design. Um, we, it just had a real cult following of being a, you know, a great performing poet.
1: One of the things that I think, obviously you being over in the West, you get dealt with some incredible winds at different stages it's not always been a boat that that people have looked at it and immediately gone yep that'll that'll handle super well um at rest now I've actually owned one of these boats, so I have a have a huge affinity for them because i I just love them um but with what goes into it and the weight of the actual boat, there's a few sort of misconceptions out there like it's a it's a beautiful performing boat, but at rest yes. I've always found um it never to be an issue, and I had a a big V8 in the back of mine, but with what goes into yep. a modern boat now, they're weighty things, so they do sit lower than what they once did.
2: That's correct. We um we put a fair bit of glass into this boat because I was really going to push it hard, just to really test it. And being my first boat, you know, we we really had to get the glass into the bottom of it, and um I set up the flooding keel in it. Previous molds had actually had the flooding keel set up, um, and that actually helps us stability quite a lot. Having that that it's flooding keel and that drains out probably within a couple of seconds and holds probably a couple hundred meters. So that really transforms the boat, turns it probably into a 21 degree dead rise boat really because the, the smuggler's got, you know, the reputation and the 30 degree dead rise. So, um, so, yeah.
1: Pretty much anyone that you ever talk to or certainly that we've spoken to on the show that's owned a smuggler at some stage. All say the same thing. I wish I had kept the boat, you know, like that. There is a real cult following around it. Yes. How have you managed to? One, you, you you purchase the whole designs. All right, you're going to incorporate it into your range. So yes. you've got to you've got to do justice in, in a sense to all right. How historically significant it is, sort of, in the Australian boating landscape, and how well um, well revered it is. But also, you've got to put your own. Touch on it and how you add to, um, you know what is a is a boat that needs to be able to, um, you know compete against all these new age craft.
2: Well, yeah, we we really couldn't change the whole design at all. We we made a few little tweaks to it, but it was really from the from the gunnel up. You know, the hull performed exceptionally well, and you just could not you couldn't change too much of it. But getting the windscreen and Modifying the dash to incorporate those screens, incorporate big screens, and all that kind of stuff is what pe- really what people are after now. So, and getting that look. So we put a lot of time into the screen. You know, we've got a lot of split moldings, which takes us more time to set up, but it just gives the boat that look and and drags it out of the, you know, from those eras of the eighties, nineties, and two thousands.
1: It's probably the most contemporary know. dash on a on a boat offered in the Australian market at the moment take us yes. through that process around this particular this is your, your the first one that you've done but it's in this beautiful yep. gloss black take us through yes. the the time and sort of R and D that went into all right we, this is how we're going to shape it because it's quite upright you know a, a lot of people when purchasing boats now you see they actually change the the angle on their dashes to suit the the screens that they'll through mount because the dash is too flat so you end up having to have this sort of custom box that people add to it but you've gone one step further and you've re-engineered the whole dash so the whole thing sits upright
2: that's right we really wanted to hide all the wiring too and by making a separate mold that fits onto the boat we can basically fit everything to the dash and then put it into the boat after Um, and that conceals a lot of stuff you can get more screens in there currently on the demo i've got three Simrad 9-inch screens. So one's on the passenger side and two on the driver's side. But the driver's side can, can incorporate two twelves if it needs to. Yeah. It's probably a little bit of overkill. but um, <laughs> It looks but good, though. It just though. gives it that wow. <laughs> it looks good, though, and it gives it that wow factor. You know, it just really – that's the first thing that you get into the boat. You go in and you look at the dash. You want to see what electronics in there. And this thing, you know, yeah, being a demo, we put everything into it.
1: Now, it needs to obviously run well to to sell well and for you to yes. add it to the range that you've got with the 282 centre console and the dual console, both fabulous boats in their own right. So it needs to yep. match at least the performance of those boats. Take us through the numbers on the water because uh, we were speaking off air. It surprised even knew just how well it goes.
2: Yeah, it, it just loves doing 34... 34- 35 knots, just loves that speed. Um, it loves to be pushed. Um, you know, we've had this one up to 46, 46 knots with the 250 um, Mercury V8 on it, and it just gets up and goes. Um, fuel economy has been fantastic with that too. Um, but the next builds that we're doing, they're they're going to be cupped up with some V6s, so we're very keen to see what they go like. Yeah. Um, but the fuel fuel economy with this motor is really quite good.
1: And was it a conscious decision for you? Were you out in the market looking for something new for for Fury Boats? Was it was it opportunistic because you are at the bigger end of town? Certainly, when it comes to the the, the trailer boat market, is right on the very edge. You, you obviously need a truck to tow them. but this one is different because it is more of your your everyday user in a sense that you can trailer it all over the, the the country and and quite comfortably.
2: That's right. I've actually. You know, got used to the 28, and now I can go to the boat ramp and, you know, I can find a nice decent parking bay, which
1: I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't do,
2: which I couldn't do before when I had a 28 on there. But look, when the, when we come up with this with this hole got offered to me, I, I didn't really know too much about the smuggler. I heard about it, but every, when I did the research, it was just so positive, and I couldn't let it go. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things that I just had to get my hands on and. And I've actually found the moulds. They were sitting out in Kalamunda, which is out at the hills, out of Perth, and they've been sitting out there for quite some time. So we really had to start again. I looked at refurbishing all the moulds and and getting them all all back up, but it was just too hard. So we had to start a whole new uh, a new hull mould, new deck mould, um, new dash, new windscreen mould. We had to do everything really, and that took us a lot lot more time than what we expected. But um, it's certainly It certainly looks really good now and I'm just so happy to finally have it all done.
1: Chatting with Scott Fury from Fury Custom Boats, their range uh, including their 282 centre console, their Fury 282 dual console and now adding the Fury Smuggler 660. Very much a trailable boat but at the top end of town when it comes to speed. Is there anything else that you've looked at through this first process and this demo model scott that you've gone all right we're going we're going add to it in a sense or or are you really quite pleased with with what you've come up with, which essentially is it's your first real go at at you know purchasing something all right i'm going to add your own add your own flair to it. Is there anything that you look and go all right we're going we're going to tinker with this or have you been quite pleased with with the end result that you've got because obviously bimneys um, are all new for this boat and from what yep. it looks like on your socials you, you seem to have, have nailed it albeit it's very much um centered around what i would say the west and having that uh, having that sun coverage with with just how strong it can be over there
2: yeah well getting the protection and having that uh shade was crucial i've only just actually fitted the clears and we're still evol- this boat is still evolving actually so we're still adding to it i still get more have got a few more ideas um we had a lot of people wanting to actually put a deposit down when we first got the moz. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it properly. I wanted to get in the water, test it, um, get everything done on it. Um, But there's always things that I can add on. And if somebody wants to come in and they want to change a few things, we're happy to do that. Um, Somebody might want a complete dedicated fishing boat. Um, This one's set up for pretty, for boats really. It's a bit of a family boat. Um, It's got the luxuries in, in the cabin and all that kind of stuff, but, other people might just want a wave breaker set up with a windscreen, and we're happy to do that as well.
1: I think the other thing is just the the beautiful um, moulded side sections of the boat, meaning pretty much that it's it's watertight on each side. It just adds to just how clean it is internally.
2: Yes. Yeah. It, look, when I did the did the internals, it just. With the windscreen, I didn't want any scenes when we fitted the molded screen onto it. We've actually glassed all that together and detailed all that in so it looks as one. Um, I'm very fussy with everything and I love you know just being meticulous with everything. You can rush you just can't rush something like this. You've just got to, you know, take your time um and have really good attention to detail with it.
1: Now you haven't forgot and forgotten your other children, have you? Because there's two other beautiful boats in the lineup. <laughs> How is it when you do bring in a new, you know, a a new kid to the stable, just keeping, you know, not all attention focused on that because the other two boats are obviously uh, where the name has been built and and, and so well regarded. Yes,
2: Uh, I'm doing a duel now and yeah, I still get a kick out of doing that. Um, I I love the Smuggler though, but um, yeah, we, we still love doing the other ones. DC and the sea season. We've been pretty, pretty busy now, and I'm doing doing a trim rig now, which we're just completing, so which is fully kitted. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get back into one of those and get one of those in the water. So, so yeah.
1: before we let you go, Scott, what's your what's your predictions for the marine industry? Obviously, it's been a really challenging period um, throughout COVID, and and yes. it's affected the industry in many ways. At the moment, supply is quite. You know, clearly one of the biggest challenges, but do you look at yes. it and, and do you see opportunity? Do you see it being a challenging, you know, next 12 months? What are you seeing in the industry that um, perhaps others aren't?
2: I can see it being very, very challenging. Um, like you said, just just the demand for engines and you name it, it's just been very difficult. But I, I think people just have to be patient. And um, I'm a very small operator. We do a certain amount of boats a year. Um. But yeah, I think it will get better. I think the next, I think we've got a little bit of more rough, rough weather ahead. But I think probably in about another year, I think we should be out of it, and we should be okay with demand, with supply, and everything. So, so yeah.
1: Well, you do build one of the best boats in the country. For more information on Fury Custom Boats and the 660 Smuggler, which were featured today, head to furycustomboats.com.au and get in touch with Scott and he'll point you in in the direction of the different models that he's got. They are absolutely beautiful boats. Scott, thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures.
2: Thanks very much for having me again.
1: That was All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review, our product review of the week, thanks to Club Marine. and Redman, you'll like Thanks to Club Marine. Did I say Club Marine? Oh, you said something. Club Marine.
0: I'm going to have to touch on these, I think.
1: Do you want to do this? Because you'll enjoy this. <laughs> We're reviewing uh, Dometics PG121, their portable inverter generator, Redmond. And none of this. Petrol sort of- operated, this thing better be.
0: <laughs> this is not one that runs off solar panels, is it, Patrick? <laughs>
1: no, this is your full blooded, flammable petrol.
0: This is the best thing to- we've discussed on the show. <laughs>
1: Now, <laughs> as we continue to sort of push the far ends of Australia and where we travel to, this is where uh, the portable inverter generator comes into its own. Um, 1500 hundred it's not expensive, but has the ability uh, to charge your RV house batteries um, and, and your power sensors, sort of electronics, such as your RV air conditioners, Laptops, portable fridge freezers, all those sorts of things. When you're when you're well off the grid, and when you don't necessarily have um, you know enough solar power or an, or enough solar panels in order to charge and and keep your caravan, um, you know, or or, out, or outdoor um, RV going. So this is where it comes into in, in its in its own, and, and in in a sense, it's. Um, it's really, for 1500 bucks. it's great peace of mind because it's not big for one, but the ability to power those, um, you know, your RV, your air conditioner laptops, portable fridge freezers is, is important. It's also got USB slots and all those sorts of things, and it's easy to carry and handle because it's got the extendable um, height-adjustable handle, which not
0: too many have. So it's only maybe, like I say, for example, a 5-litre tank in it for fuel, Yes, correct. Yep. So it's only fifteen grand to fill it up as well. <laughs> well, well. Well, there is that,
1: but you keep complaining that I keep focusing. No, I'm all for this. On, I think this on batteries, terrific. this is your this is your petrol powered power.
0: I'm, I think this is the best product review we've, review we've done because uh, I actually went camping out in Jellybrand not too long ago, and they had one of these attached to the back of their house. And I said to Gibber, there's not a possibility in hell this thing is going to have the fridge running in the house, have this running, this and that. Yep. It, it worked. It literally worked up an absolute treat. It did not cut it would only cut out when we ran out of fuel once and we had to fill it back up.
1: Well well, this will do the same thing. <laughs> there is something it does need fuel in order to run. Uh but for more information, Domenic.com and as we said. Fifteen hundred bucks online at the moment. Do yourself a favour, look it up and uh, and buy yourself, grab
0: yourself a bargain. It's not very sunny this time of the year,
1: Patrick. <laughs> no, exactly right. That is our review for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield
0: and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. And we spoke off the top of the show because you
0: lost an anchor during the week. I shouldn't be giving this tip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving you a tip on how to get an anchor out, but I didn't actually get my anchor out. But you couldn't
1: do it. I quit. But it's an important one because you've been in plenty of positions before where you have... Uh, had a, you've, Your anchor's been stuck, but you've managed to get it off the seafloor.
0: I've only lost two in, I reckon, five years. And that's, that's pretty impressive that, for
1: someone I that fishes. Got,
0: I got another one stuck, but I dove down and got it. So
1: beyond getting out of the boat and going scuba diving, um, <laughs> talk us through, if you get your anchor stuck, the tips for getting it off.
0: So the first one is, whenever you're pulling an anchor up, you actually want to drive over where you laid your anchor in. Yep. So if say, for example, you're falling from north to south. And you're 40 metres off your chain. Yeah, so you want to actually drive past where you've laid it in to totally pull it out the other way and press up. Be mindful you don't want to run over it with the engine, but that's the angle you want to you drive up on. Yep. That's sort of the number one thing that I like to do. Number two, if you do get it stuck there, just use a... White is stuck and you're on that first angle. Give it a little bit of power with your engine and you'll feel your nose dig in. Generally, that pops it out. That'll be enough to pull it out and break whatever it is it's stuck on. Pull it out. If you are to the next stage that I found myself in, let more rope out. Yep. Try to get as much as you can out—nearly your whole spool. So if you're possible. trying
1: to take the tension off where the an- where yep. the ankle has been hooked under a rock Lay or in seaweed or whatever it is. Trying to take that tension off.
0: Yep. And you want to also not only that change the direction of the angle. So you got to remember, if you're sitting on top of it, you're just trying to pull it straight up. So yep. you're trying to pull it up and down, up and down. Where if you let all your rope out, say you're in thirty meters and you've got a hundred thirty meters of rope, and you get the angle of hundred meters, don't know what that will end up being. But well, I'm no mathematician, Patrick. But as we sit off it, that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> that we as we sit off it, the angle actually will change the direction that you're pulling the anchor out on. Particularly and, with the weight of the chain that
1: is no longer vertical. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it
0: lays it down. It does all. But you, and you try and go the way that it laid in. That's probably the way that it's probably going to be fallen into. But yep. chain can do its own thing at times. But it also comes down to how you lay it down too. So don't just drop your anchor down and sit on top of it and all bundle in one spot. You want to have a little bit of reverse to actually lay that chain flat so it also helps you not lose your anchor as well. So there's another method there. So if you do get it stuck, leave it tied to the front, however you've done it, whether you've tied it on or to your winch or whatnot. Don't tie it to the back of your boat and try and drive because you will pull the arse end under and drown yourself and you will literally flood your boat uh, we've had that question a few
1: times oh, haven't it's, we I've and actually it's
0: a- I made the mistake when I was younger I'll be honest I tied it to the back to try and rip it out it was that stuck I actually lost this one and I and the whole I was lucky I was in the staby craft at the time with the flotation and it actually bounced by, I, I bounced up thank god I reckon if I had been in the boat I was in now not being as buoyant as the staby yeah. I probably would have been in a bit of, fair bit of trouble so I was just wanted my anchor back that day but in saying that be safe when you do it. It's a horrible feeling when you do drive up on it and it does pull back in when you're using power. It'll literally 360 you around like it's scary. It'll, But be safe when you're doing so and retrieving it and hopefully those tips can save you $690 like it saved me uh, on Wednesday Thursday this week. Uh, Beautiful
1: yeah. work, Reuben. That's Red's tips. It's now time for the flying gaff. And a crew out of Auckland have been caught with 45 times the legal daily limit. And... Um, that's roughly 200 kilos of snapper, but uh, 95 in total, Redmond. Um, pretty safe to say they are our gaffes and can I just ask of you, the
0: week. Can I ask you what you were doing this time last week? Saturday morning, what were you doing this time last week? Uh,
1: well, I was still asleep, to be honest. Of, well,
0: that's fine. Yeah. Of, no, that's good.
1: I wasn't catching no, you obviously four, weren't listening. 400 snapper.
0: You obviously weren't listening to the show because that was the gaff that I did last week. No, I didn't. <laughs> we'll let you off this week. <laughs> I'm so you, gapping are you, you. Are you giving me the game? <laughs> you just said my gaff from last week. Where was the... I, he- I just read that. I'm like, hold on. You knew this. I'm like, no, you, I, no I just read set it. You set there. me up. I'm like, did I copy and paste that in there? And I didn't. You set me up. Because it was up. already there in your file. You and, set me up. And I've gone, I, I'm going to leave this because this is actually going to be humiliating. I left it. I, this is going to be humiliating. I thought this was very good.
1: I see some flat.
0: <laughs> I'm actually really impressed with this. I'm going fishing. You've got footy or something or doing something. Ah oh, mate, I'm in rehab. I boy. might even come for a beer I later. Might, I might come fishing as well. Sounds good. See you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tire Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 132191.